we're there in Ephesians chapter number 4. And I'd like you to look down at verse number 26, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. The Bible says this, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Look down at verse number 31, same chapter. Let all bitterness, notice these words, and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, notice what it says, be put away from you with all malice. And of course, this morning we're beginning a brand new series entitled Anger Management. And we're going to learn from the Bible over the next several weeks how to manage our anger and how to deal with our anger, how to deal with the anger of others. And, you know, this sermon series is, is a highly applicable uh, series because anger is something we all struggle with. Anger is something that everybody um, deals with, and anger is something that can very quickly get out of control. Uh, in fact, my wife uh, recently shared this article with me. I'm going to read it to you just a short uh, version of it, if that's okay. Some of you may have heard of this in the news, uh, but the article begins like this. Never get between a man and his wings. An infuriated customer caused a flap at a chicken wing chain in California after the restaurant was too slow to remake his order and then refused him a refund, according to video and other startled customers. The fiery footage from inside a wing stop in Antelope, this was just here, and, uh, and, and not too far from, from us, shows an enraged man ripping away a cash register and slamming it to the floor. He then picks up the equipment and tosses it through the restaurant's window, the clip shows. Another man inside the store said he also witnessed the foul play when going back to the wing stop to pick up some ranch dressing for his order. I guess they mixed up on his order twice. He was arguing, hey, can you get my food remade, they said. They said, we, yes, we're making it. About five minutes later, the man apparently had reached his limit. He's like, the food is still not done. I don't want you guys to spit in my food or whatever. Give me back my food. The employee then tells the man he has to wait for his order to be remade since they could not give him a refund and asks him to stop yelling at another worker, setting the unsatisfied customer off, video shows. What the blank do you mean you can't give me back my money, he screams, after slamming the register into the floor and then tossing it through the restaurant's front window. No injuries were reported during the incident. A Wingstop manager told CBS Sacramento the irate customer was upset after several wings were missing from his order. The man caused at least $6,000 worth of damage to the restaurant, not including the price to fix the shattered window. The restaurant was in the process of filing a police report on the felony vandalism on Wednesday, according to CBS Sacramento. And this is just something that happened, you know, a, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. And you hear about stuff like this all the time in the news. And, you know, we can laugh and, and say, uh, well, you know, why would somebody get so mad about Chicken wings, you know, one of the, 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 the guys being uh, interviewed said, all that for $12 worth of chicken, you know. Um, but sadly, if we were honest, you know, we would say, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous that somebody would do that in public, yet many people act like that in the privacy of their homes. Many people have out-of-control anger like that, maybe not at a restaurant, but with their kids or with their spouse or with their neighbor, or with their fellow church members. And we're going to learn over the next several weeks because out-of-control anger is on a rampage. And it can be uh, on a rampage in your uh, family and in your home and in your life. So we're going to learn about this. The Bible speaks a lot about the subject of anger and how to deal with anger. And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to do an overview of what the Bible teaches about anger. This morning's sermon will be really kind of an introductory sermon uh, to lay the foundation about anger and what the Bible teaches about anger so that we can learn to deal with anger over the next several weeks. And I'm preaching on the subject of the theology of anger or the doctrine of anger. Of anger. We're going to look at a biblical overview of anger in the Bible. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you six statements regarding anger from the Bible, six statements in regards to what the Bible teaches about anger. And I'd like you to write these down. On the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write, take some notes. I'd like you to write these down as we go through them. 
You're there in Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 26 again. And I want you to notice these several words. The Bible says, Be ye angry and sin not. Be ye angry and sin not. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number 3. In the New Testament, you have the book of Matthew. Then right after Matthew, you have the book of Mark, Mark chapter 3. And while you turn there, let me give you the first statement for this morning, and I encourage you to write it down. Number one, when we consider the theology of anger, when we consider the doctrine of anger, when we consider what the Bible teaches about anger, we must first consider that it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin. This is why the Bible says there in Ephesians 4, 26, be ye angry and sin not. So let me begin, because we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the negativities of anger and how anger can be a very negative thing in our lives. But let me begin by being clear. The Bible teaches that it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin. And in fact, one of the best Uh, uh, proofs of that is the fact that in the Bible, we see deity get angry in the Bible. What we mean by that is that we see a God, we see the Lord Jesus Christ, who's God in the flesh, get angry in the Bible. And of course, they are without sin. The Bible says that Jesus was without sin. He He never sinned, yet he got angry because it is possible for someone to be angry and sin not. Are you there in Mark chapter 3? Look down at verse number 5. You have Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 3, and verse 5. Notice what the Bible says, Mark 3, 5. And when he, now the he there is referring to Jesus, and I would encourage you to look at that in this context if you, if you need to. When he had looked round about them, and he's talking about the fact that he's looking at these Pharisees, and Jesus is about to heal a man whose hands and arms are crippled, and the Pharisees are trying to stop him. Just yesterday, my wife uh, got somebody saved out soul winning, uh, a man who had his uh, arms uh, crippled, and he was uh, very receptive to the gospel, very happy to hear uh, the plan of salvation, but we were talking about, you know, how Sad it is that he has to live his life that way and, and referring to the and, and talking about the fact that at least he's safe now and in heaven he'll have a glorified body and not have to uh, uh, deal with that pain. But could you imagine Jesus being there, being able to heal a man like that and the Pharisees trying to stop him because it's not the right day according to them. And this made Jesus very angry. Of course, their hands were fine. Of course, their uh, limbs were, were fine. They, they don't care that this man is living this way. And the Bible says there in verse 5, And when he, Jesus, had looked round about on them, notice the words, with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. So I want you to notice that we see Jesus here get angry, but yet Jesus was without sin. So it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin. Go to the book of Numbers, if you would. In the Old Testament, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter number 11. We see Jesus in the New Testament get angry. We saw Jesus get angry when They were selling in the temple, and he uh, drives them out of the temple um, in anger. This is what the Bible calls righteous indignation. It's anger, but without sin. We see God in the Old Testament be angry. In fact, if you study anger, and in preparation for this sermon, I actually went through and looked at every verse in the Bible that had the word anger, wrath, Um, that had the word angry, that had the word contentions. And when you study anger in the Bible, what you'll find is that the person who's described as getting angry the most throughout the Bible is God himself. And God is without sin. So we know that it is possible for someone, like Ephesians 4.26 says, to be angry and not sin. Be ye angry and sin not. I could spend the whole morning going through and giving you examples of God's anger. I'm not going to do that, but I'd like to just show you uh, three examples from the book of Numbers, if you would. Numbers chapter 11, look at verse 1. The Bible says this, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Notice these words. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was 
kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost part of the camp. Look at verse 10, same chapter. Skip down to verse number 10. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. Notice these words. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. Flip over to chapter 12. Look at verse 9. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 9. Notice what the Bible says. Numbers 12, verse 9. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. So I want you to notice that throughout the Bible, we see Jesus get angry. We see the Lord get angry in the Old Testament, and they are without sin. So yes, it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin. And it's not just deity. It's possible for a human being to be angry and not sin. Let me give you a couple examples of that. You're there in the book of Numbers. Flip back to the book of Exodus, if you would. Exodus chapter number 32. You've got Numbers, Leviticus, Exodus. If you go backwards, Numbers, Leviticus, Exodus, Exodus chapter number 32. Exodus chapter 32, look at verse 19. Exodus 32 and verse 19, the Bible says this, And it came to pass, as soon as he, the he there is referring to Moses, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. If you remember, Moses goes up to the Mount of God. He's up there for 40 days and 40 nights fellowshipping with God, fasting for that time, uh, getting close to God and getting instructions from God. And while he's up there, the people decide to make a golden calf to worship it. Other passages tell us that they got naked and danced around it. And when Moses comes down, as you can imagine, he's not happy. Look at the words. And Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hand and break them beneath the mount. And I would submit to you that this was a righteous indignation. Now, we will look at it later on in this series that Moses gets angry in the, in the, in the flesh later on. He gets angry when God tells him to speak to the rock and he smote the rock. And as a result, he's not allowed to enter into the promised land because of his anger. So there's uh, anger that is without sin and there is anger in the flesh that is with sin. And I'm just beginning with this theology on anger to explain that when we consider the theology of anger, we must first consider that it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin. Let me give you another example. You don't have to turn there. In fact, if you would, go to the book of James towards, in the New Testament, towards the end of the book of James, uh, uh, of the New Testament, excuse me. If you start the book of Revelation and head backwards, you have Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st Peter, and then the book of James. Jude, 1st, uh, 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 excuse me, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st uh, John, 2nd and 1st Peter, James. James chapter number uh, 4, if you would. James, excuse me, James chapter 1. While you go there, let me read to you from 1st Samuel chapter 11. You go to James, I'll read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 6. 1 Samuel 11 and verse 6 says this, And the Spirit of God, 1 Samuel 11 verse 6, And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings. And the tidings that Saul heard in this passage is he hears of a man named Nahash, the Ammonite, and Nahash has came to a city of Israel uh, and he threatens, he, he's come to the men of Jabesh Gilead, and the men of Jabesh Gilead have asked for peace. They said, we don't want to fight you. We'll pay whatever tribute, whatever tax needs to be uh, paid. We give up. And that's not enough for Nahash. Nahash says, okay, that's fine. But along with that, if you want to make a covenant of peace with me, I want to thrust out the right eye of every man in the city. And he wants to pretty much basically blind every man in the city to take away their ability to be able to fight and rebel against, against him. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 11 and verse 6, And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he had heard those things, and his anger was kindled greatly. And I want you to notice what's interesting about that verse is that in the same verse it says, that Saul had the Spirit of God come upon him, and his anger was kindled greatly in the same verse, in the same statement. And I would submit to you this morning that it is possible to be Spirit-filled and mad as hell. 
It's possible to be angry and have righteous indignation. And in fact, in some things we should. And I'm not preaching on, on that this morning. But when we think of the abortion holocaust in our country, when we think about the LGBTQ takeover of our families, when we think of the sin that is destroying the families, hey, there is a place to be angry and not sin. There is a place for righteous indignation. There is a place to be spirit-filled and to be angered and to have uh, uh, your 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 anger uh, kindled greatly, like the Bible says here about Saul. So as we consider what the Bible teaches about anger, we must first consider, and the first statement is this, when we consider the theology of, of anger, we must consider first that it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin. Go to James chapter number 1. Hopefully you're there. James chapter number 1. Here's the second statement. And I'd like you to write this down. However, even though it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin, practically speaking, most people sin when they are angry. I mean, isn't that the truth? The last time that you just, you know, lost your temper and and just went off on whoever you went off on, you probably weren't just, you know, defending the innocent against the wickedness of God. You were upset because they messed up your chicken wing order. You were angry for something that had nothing of eternal value of any importance. It is true that it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin. In fact, there is a time and a place to be angry, what we would refer to as righteous indignation, against sin and against the hurt of the innocent. But with that said, though it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin, the truth of the matter is this, that practically speaking, most people, most people, and I want to be clear, when I say most people, I mean most people, most of you, most of me, most of everyone, most people sin when they are angry. James chapter 1, look at verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We're going to come back to that verse later on in the series. Look at verse 20. Why do you want to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath? Here's why. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. See, there is righteous indignation, but the truth of the matter is this, that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, because usually when you are enraged, when you are in wrath, when you are in out-of-control anger, you are not doing the things that are right and pleasing before the Lord, because practically speaking, most people sin when they are angry. So it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin. But most people sin when they are angry. Go to the book of Proverbs, if you would. Proverbs chapter number 17. And we're going to be flipping through a lot of passages this morning because we're doing a Bible study on the subject of anger. Proverbs chapter 17. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 17. Proverbs chapter 17. Look at verse 14. The beginning of strife. The beginning of strife. What's strife? Conflict, contention, fighting as a result of anger. The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Therefore, leave off contentions before it be meddled with. You know, what's interesting is that the Bible says that when someone gets angry and when someone decides, when someone chooses to get angry, and by the way, let me just make this clear, when you get angry, it's your choice. You've chosen to get angry. You've chosen to lose control. The beginning of strife, the Bible says, is as when one letteth out water. Here's statement number three. Most people sin when they are angry Because most people cannot control their anger. See, it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin. But practically speaking, most people sin when they are angry. 
And most people sin when they are angry because most people cannot control their anger. In fact, the Bible says that anger is like water. He said, the Bible says there, the beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. If I were to take this bottle of water that I have here and I were to let it out, if I were to spill it out, if I were to allow it to leave this container, then it would be impossible for me to bring that back into this bottle. See, once you uh, water pours out, you can't bring it back in. And God says, that's how anger is. Once you allow it out, it's out of control. Once you allow it to spill out, once you allow it to come out, once you allow it to thrust out, he says, the beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. It's like spilling water. Once it's out, you can't let it back in. See, the reason that most people sin when they are angry is because most people cannot control their anger. Go to Proverbs 15, if you would. While you turn there, let me read to you from Genesis 49. In Genesis 49, we have the story of Jacob dealing with his sons. His sons, in anger, have murdered an entire city. Genesis 49 and verse 6 says this, O my soul, this is Jacob speaking about his sons, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly mine honor, be not thou united. Notice what Jacob says about his sons. He says, for in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. He says, cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And, and Jacob is expressing the fact that once these boys allowed their anger to come out, he said there was no stopping it. When their anger came, their anger was fierce. When the wrath came out, it was cruel. See, it is possible to be angry and not sin. However, most people sin when they are angered, when they are angered, when they are angry. And most people sin when they are angry because most people cannot control their anger. In fact, that's what this series is all about. It's called anger management because we're going to learn to manage our anger. And really, it's not about managing your anger because you don't have control over the fact that you get angry, but you do have control over how you allow that anger to come out. It's not about controlling your anger. It's about controlling yourself within your anger. Proverbs 15, if you would. Let me give you the fourth statement. People who cannot control their anger become angry people, which means they do not get angry, they are angry. I want you to listen to me very carefully, dad, husband, wife, mother. We like to use these little phrases to try to explain away and excuse our behavior. And we like to say things like, I'm just short-tempered. I'm just hot-blooded. I just have a short fuse. I, and we like to use these phrases and these kind of, and, and we say those things and it kind of just takes away, you know, well, you know, you know it just, that's just how I am. Just short-tempered. The truth of the matter is this, that the Bible teaches that when people do not learn to control their anger, after some time of not controlling their anger, of not controlling their anger, of not controlling their anger, because repetition creates habits, after some time, that person does not get angry They are angry. It's not a person that got angry. It's an angry person. This is what the Bible teaches. Let me highlight it for you. Proverbs 15, look at verse 18. A wrathful man stirreth up strife. Now, here's how you and I would say it. Mr. I'm just short-tempered. Mrs. I just have a short fuse. We were saying, no, 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 they stir up strife. That's why I'm wrathful. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says a wrathful man. Notice he was wrathful first. 
a wrathful man stirreth up strife. Let me explain something to you. If you're constantly in the midst of a fight with people, everywhere you go, you're fighting. You're fighting with your spouse. You're fighting with your kids. You're fighting with your neighbor. You're fighting with your coworker. You're fighting with your pastor. You're fighting with your fellow church member. Just you know, you're fighting with the in-laws. You're, everyone, you're like everybody's a problem. Hey, if you're fighting with everybody, maybe you're the problem. There's one common denominator here. It's you. See, a wrathful man, the Bible says, stirreth up strife. Angry people are not angry because they get in a fight. No, they get in a fight because they are angry. I mean, let's just be honest. Is there, if there's anywhere we could be honest, should it not be church? Amen. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Some of us are just a fight waiting to happen. We're just a temper tra- tantrum waiting for a place to, 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 to happen. We're just a fit waiting to explode. See, the guy wasn't really that upset about a few chicken wings. He was just an angry person. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger, a piece of strife. Look at chapter 16, verse 28. Proverbs 16, verse 28. People who cannot control their anger eventually become angry people. Which means that they don't get angry, they are angry. Proverbs 16, verse 28, a froward man. Froward means difficult to deal with. Do you ever work with somebody like that? Everything is a problem, everything's negative, nothing's good, everything's an issue. Everything's difficult, everything's hard. No, we can't do it. Here's why I can't. You know, everything. He knows what the Bible says. A froward man, so it's strife. And a whisper separated the chief friends. Proverbs 26, look at verse 21. Proverbs 26, verse 21. See, the truth of the matter is this. Anger is not caused by something outside of you. Anger is caused by something within you. Anger, quit blaming the circumstances. Well, if they just got my order right. Here's the problem. There's always a reason to be angry. When you're a fight waiting to happen, there's always a reason to fight. When you're a blow-up just looking for a place to blow up, there's always just, it doesn't take that long. Look, you're not a genius because you find mistakes in sinners. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to find a mistake that your 9-year-old makes, that your 14-year-old makes. It's pretty easy to find a mistake in your wife or in your husband. It's pretty easy to find a mistake in your fellow church member. You're not a genius. It's not that hard. If you're looking for a reason to fight, it's very easy to find one. See, angry people, people who don't control their anger, they become angry people, which means they don't get angry, they are angry. They don't get frustrated. They are frustrated. Proverbs 26, verse 21. Notice what the Bible says. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire. I mean, what is that? Think about that statement. As coals are to burning coals. It's not that you're taking coals that are not burning and you're lighting them. That's not what it says. It says you're taking coals and adding them to coals that are already burning. Do you get that? As coals are to burning coals, coals that are already burning, and wood to fire. It's not that you take wood and set it on fire. It's that there's already a fire. You're just adding wood. So is a contentious man to kindle strife. See, a contentious man is not, we say, oh, they just set me on fire. You were already on fire. We're just, we're just adding wood to the fire that's already there. We're just adding coals to the burning coals that are already there. See, people who cannot control their anger become angry people. You say, what does it mean to become an angry person? It means that you don't get angry, you are angry. You're looking for a place to happen. You're looking, you're a fight waiting to happen. You're a screaming match waiting to happen. You're a blow up waiting to happen. Proverbs 29, look at verse 22. 
Proverbs 29, verse 22. Proverbs 29, verse 22, the Bible says this, An angry man stirreth up strife. See, we think, no, 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 strife got stirred, then I got angry. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, the angry man stirreth up strife. And a furious man aboundeth in transgression. See, anger is not caused by something outside of you. It is caused by something inside of you. When we consider the theology of of anger, we must consider that it is possible. We must consider that it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin. When we consider the fact that it's possible for someone to be angry and not sin... We must also consider the fact that, practically speaking, most people sin when they are angry. Most people sin when they are angry because most people cannot control their anger. It's like letting water out. You can't, once it's out, it's out of control. And people who cannot control their anger become angry people, which means that they do not get angry. It means they are angry. Say, so, well, okay, Pastor. So far, all you've done is describe my life. What's wrong with that? Of course, you're not saying it that calmly because you're an angry person. So in your mind, there's all these cuss words and all of that too. Proverbs 27. Look at verse 4. Here's statement number 5. The problem with being an angry person, the problem with being an angry person Not someone that got angry, someone who is angry, looking for a place to happen. The problem with being an angry person is that uncontrolled anger is destructive. Uncontrolled, by the way, whenever anything's uncontrolled in our life, we're in the flesh. See, we we like to think, we like to think, oh no, that was righteous indignation, that was just some righteous indignation I had there. No, you were throwing a grown-up fit. You are out of your mind. You are out of control. When the cash register is going through the window, that's not in the flesh. The problem with being an angry person is that uncontrolled anger is destructive. Proverbs 27. This sounds very much like what Jacob said about his sons. Proverbs 27, verse 4. Notice, wrath is cruel. Think about that word cruel. Cruel means just as, as mean as possible, as hurtful as possible. Let me tell you something, Dad. You say, oh, I, just, I just have a temper. What's the big deal? The problem is that when your uncontrolled temper, when your fit waiting to happen happens, that uncontrolled tang- anger, because it's uncontrolled, you just go too far. You say things to your family. You say things to the people that you supposedly love the most on this earth. You say things to your wife. You say things to your husband. You say things to your children in that wrath that are just so cruel and so hurtful. The Bible says that anger, notice verse verse 4, wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? He said, I like the wording there. He says, anger, it's outrageous. It's just like, man, come on. It is just outrageous. It is unreasonable. It is uncalled for. See, the problem with being an angry person is that uncontrolled anger is destructive. Go to Matthew, if you would. Matthew chapter 5 in the New Testament. Keep your place in Proverbs. We're going to come right back to it. Keep your place right there in Proverbs. We're coming back. Matthew chapter number 5. First book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5. You notice what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 5, we have one of the most famous sermons in the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus does this thing in the Sermon on the Mount where he deals with a sin and then he deals with the underlying issue of that sin. He does that all throughout the book of Matthew. One example is he says, you know, that you've heard that it has been said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But he, he says, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after hath committed adultery with her in his heart. He says, it's not enough, it's not enough not just not to commit adultery. He says, you need to make sure that you're not even just lusting in your heart after another woman. But the idea is this, that all adultery began with lusting in your heart after another woman. He says, it's not just about the physical action, it's about the heart matter, the heart of the matter. In Matthew 5, 21, he says this, Ye have heard 
that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And we would probably pride ourselves and say, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I get angry, but it's not like I've ever killed anyone. Well, yeah, that's a great, you know, accomplishment there. You never murder someone. You have heard that it has been said of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, notice how Jesus connects these two, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Notice, you say, well, what, what, is, you know, what does anger have to do with murder? Well, here's the thing. Mur- all murder is a result of uncontrolled anger. And here's the interesting thing, that anger may not murder your family member or your friends physically, but it can murder that relationship. He says, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Now, I love this because when Christians are in their flesh, they don't think clearly, and they come up with all the dumbest reasons. Well, that's not me, Pastor. Every time I have, you know, every time I'm angry, it's because of a cause. It's because of her. It's because of him. Okay, newsflash, Jesus is smarter than you are. Yes, of course. Everyone that gets angry has a cause. Everyone does. When Jesus says, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, here's what he means, without a real legitimate cause. We could take Mr. Chicken Fingers, and he would say, well, no, I mean, they messed up my order. But is that a real reason to get that angry? Is that a legitimate reason to get that angry? He says, look, the truth of the matter is, half the time we get angry, it's for a stupid reason. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, a legit cause, a real cause, not your little hair-triggered, short-fused, hot-tempered, chicken-little-of-a-reason cause. Notice what he says, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall taste to his brother Raka, you see that word Raka there? Shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, notice these words, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. That word Raka means the same thing as the word fool. I mean, and look, isn't it true that in anger we say these types of things? Jesus is saying, when you get angry, you know the types of things that you say? When you have uncontrolled, unreasonable, unlegitimate anger, aren't these the things we say to the person we're angry with? You're a fool. You're an idiot. You're an imbecile. You're stupid. You're dumb. See, we we think, because we don't say the word raka. This verse was not applied to us. You know the Bible says, Jesus said, that when you get angry because of a stupid reason and you go around calling the people that you're angry with raka or fool or imbecile or stupid, he says, you're in danger of hellfire. He says, it, he says it's, the, it, it's the equivalent. It's as bad. You say, well, I didn't kill anybody. But all murder begins with uncontrolled anger in your heart. And look, and here's what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say that when you get angry as the equivalent of you killing somebody, all I'm saying is this. Uncontrolled anger is destructive. It destroys. Go to Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. I said number one this morning. When we consider the theology of anger, we must first consider that it is possible for someone to be angry and sin not. We started there because that's the truth. But the truth is this, that most of us are not there. And when we consider that it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin, we must also realize that, practically speaking, most people sin when they are angry. And most people sin, number three, when they are angry because most people cannot control their anger. And people who cannot control their anger, number four, become angry people, which means they don't get angry, they are angry. And the problem with being an angry person, number five, is that uncontrolled anger is destructive. Here's number six. The problem with uncontrolled and destructive anger 
is that it will cost you in your life. Proverbs 19, look verse 19. Proverbs 19 and verse 19. A man of great wrath, notice these words, shall suffer punishment. When you allow your uncontrolled, destructive anger to just be out of control in your life, you will suffer punishment. It will cost you something. You say, what will it cost you? Go to Proverbs 21. Look at verse 19. Proverbs 21, verse 19. There's two areas, really three areas, two I want to cover this morning, and one I'll mention. There's two areas that your uncontrolled and destructive anger will cost you in. One, it will cost you in your relationships. Look, it's easy to get upset with the people that are closest to us that we love the most. I mean, just this morning, you know, confessing your faults one to another, just this morning, my kids were just, you know, on the verge of just, you know, I was just a fit waiting to happen. I mean, last night, I tell my kids, hey, get all your shoes, find all your shoes, find all your belts, put them all. I told them, I want you to put them underneath this, this area here. I want you to line them up in order from oldest to youngest. And I said, and on Sunday morning, I don't want to be looking for shoes. I don't want to be looking for anything. Line up these shoes and put them there. You know, they went off and did it, scurried about, go off to raid and do whatever they're going to do. I say, you guys get all your shoes together? Oh, yes, Father, you know. We always do those things which are pleasing in your sight. <laughs> Not our will, but thine be done. I mean, just, just you know, everything is ready. And, of course, we wake up Sunday morning looking for shoes. Can't find the shoes. And, you know, I'm just getting irritated. Like, didn't I say I didn't want to be looking for shoes? I told you a lot of shoes. You all say, you know. Look, I get it. I'm not, I'm not up here like some hypocrite trying to tell you, I've got, all, I've got this all under control. It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to get upset. But when we allow uncontrolled anger to be destructive in our lives, it will eventually cost us in our relationships. Proverbs 21, verse 19. Listen, ladies, I don't think the day you got married, this was the, you know, your life verse. I don't think the day of your honeymoon, you're like, this is what I want to strive to be. Most women want to be the virtuous woman. I want to be the Proverbs 21, 19 woman. <laughs> it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. That's who I want to be. I mean, is that really what you said on the day? You know, this is why I don't allow people to, to do their own vows. First of all, because most of the time it's a bunch of stupid garbage. Roses are red, violets are blue. No, no, no. It's till death do us part, Amen. for better or worse, and, and richer and poorer. But I don't think when you wrote your vows, you're like, this is why it's better. Just get ready for this, honey. It's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Here I come. <laughs> I don't think that was your goal. I mean, is that really what you want your life to be? I mean, think about that verse. It's better to dwell in the wilderness. Meaning, your husband doesn't want to be around you. And look, we can flip this. It could be vice versa. Men have anger problems as much, if not more, than women. Is this really what you want? Where your spouse literally avoids you, does not want to be around you because of your anger? A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment, the Bible says. Well, how am I going to get punished? In your relationships. It'll cost you in your relationships. Keep your place there in Proverbs. Go back to Ephesians. I'm not sure if you kept your place in Ephesians. Uh, I meant to tell you to keep your place there. Ephesians chapter 6. Please keep your place in Ephesians. Keep your place in Ephesians and Proverbs because we're going to go back and forth a little bit. Anger, anger will cost you in your relationships. By the way, you dating couples, you dating couples, don't be one of these stupid dating couples that's just like, everything's wonderful, everything's so great. The whole point of dating is to look if there are any red flags that you want to avoid before you're married. 
On this side of marriage, we're telling couples, don't do it. Don't go. No, that's bad news. Bad news. They're like, oh, no, it's great. It's wonderful. Then they get married, and it's like, that's the worst thing. And I'm like, you're stuck. We're going to live, you know, we're going to work through it. You, you're, you don't get to leave. Look, if you're dating somebody, and they get angry, and they yell at you, and they're mad, and it just seems a little out of control, you need to go run screaming in the other direction. You say, why? Because while you're dating, you're seeing the best version of that person. They're dressed the nicest. They smell the best. They're the thinnest they're ever going to be. You say, oh, I'm going to marry him, and he's going to lose weight. Yeah, right. You're like the millionth you know, guy that fell for that one. You're seeing the best. If, if, if the best version of you, of them right now, it's, ah! You can only imagine what it's going to be like once that, those vows are done. Look, anger destroys relationships. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. And you can flip that for the husbands as well. Ephesians 6 and verse 4, the Bible says this, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Go back to Proverbs 22, if you would. Look at verse 8. Look, you do whatever you want. I'm not, my, my, my job is just to, to, to tell you the truth. My job is just to preach the word of God to you. You do whatever you want in your home, and you treat your, your people the way you want to treat them. But let me tell you something. Your uncontrolled anger will cost you in your relationships. Your uncontrolled anger will cost you in your relationship with your spouse. It will cost you in your relationship with your children. You say, well, that's how I get them to do what they got to do. I just this uncontrolled anger. And I'm not saying that children don't need to be disciplined. Children should be disciplined. And, we're, and the Bible teaches, you know, corporal punishment, spankings. But please understand that that should never be done out of control. That should never be done in anger. When you spank your children, you discipline your children, it should be highly controlled. Proverbs 22 and verse 8 says this, He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity. Don't miss this, parents. And the rod of his anger shall fail. Now, does the Bible say to use the rod? The rod and reproof give correction, the Bible says. The Bible says that we ought to use the rod to discipline our children. But when you use the rod in anger, you will fail. That's what the Bible says. You can sit there, yeah, well, this is how I discipline my kids. I just scream at them and yell at them and call them names and make them feel as miserable and as worthless as possible. Okay, go ahead. And then when your teenage kids hate you, I'll say, well... The rod of his anger shall fail. When your adult children don't want to speak to you, the rod of his anger shall fail. You're saying we shouldn't discipline our kids? I'm saying we should do what what, what, what God the Father does, and we should lovingly discipline our children. If anger is your child-rearing approach, listen to me, listen to me, remember this ugly face, you will fail. As a parent, if anger is the way you get your wife to follow. We'll, we'll see you in divorce court. I'm not justifying it. I don't think people should get divorced for any reason. The bozo you married has an anger problem. That's, your, that's you. You did that. But what I'm telling you is that uncontrolled and destructive anger will cost you in your life. How will it cost me? It'll cost you in relationships. You will destroy. You will destroy your relationships because wrath is cruel. And we allow, when we allow our anger to just get out of control, we say things. We do things. We make people feel in such a way that the anger will appease and be abated and eventually things will go back to normal, but that scar won't be there. It'll cost you in your relationships. I want you to notice, secondly, it'll cost you in your reputation. Proverbs 22, look at verse 24. Proverbs 22, verse 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, 
Notice, we're not talking about strife here. There's no strife. There's just a guy who's angry. You know what God says? Identify an angry person and don't be around them. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man shalt thou thou not go. It's funny because the Bible uses all these terms for an angry person. You don't have to turn here. In Proverbs 15, 18, it calls him a wrathful man. In Proverbs 16, 28, it calls him a forward man. In Proverbs 22, 24, it calls him an angry man. In Proverbs 26, 21, it calls him a contentious man. In Proverbs 22, 29, 22, it calls him a furious man. You know that event, you get mad enough, long enough, you'll just be known as that person, that angry person. The funny thing is that some of us are so foolish enough to carry that as a badge of honor. But I promise you that when you're 70 years old, when you're 80 years old, when you're 90 years old, you will regret the fact that your children left your home mom, your children left your home dad, and all they know was mom was angry, dad was furious. They didn't really get mad. They were just, they just were mad. They were just looking for a, they were just a fight looking to happen. Is that how you want to be known? Not really the reputation you want. See, uncontrolled anger is destructive. And uncontrolled and destructive anger will cost you in your life. You say, how will it cost you? It'll cost you in your relationship. It'll cost you in reputation. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but let me just say this. It'll cost you in your riches. Ask the guy who got mad at $12 wings and, and, and grabbed a $6,000 register, slammed it on the floor, then threw it through a $500 window if his anger didn't cost him something. I mean, we, we get so, you know, we get frustrated. You, you buy equipment and you get so frustrated, you can't get it work. You spend $1,000 on some gadget and then, you, you know, you throw it, you know, to the wall. You taught that phone. No phone's ever going to mess with you again. It will cost you. People, you know, I, don't, I, think, I think the jeweler business, make, makes, they make more money you think, oh, you guys make all your money off of lovebirds, you know, um, buying rings. They, they, you know, they make more money off of uh, couples fighting who want to take their wedding rings and smash them with a sledgehammer. And it's like, oh, yeah, now, you know, I got, I'm over it now, so let me go buy another $500 ring. Look, your uncontrolled and destructive anger will cost you. It'll cost you in your relationships. It'll cost you in your repatriations. It'll cost you in your, in your riches. And let me just say this. If you've done that wearing thing, I don't know it, okay? How do you know? Because like half of marriages do that. That's how I knew. Go to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. Here's the six statements. I'm going to review these, and then I want to give you some ending thoughts. I said number one. When we consider that the theology of anger, we must... First, see that it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin. I said number two, even though it is possible for someone to be angry and not sin, practically speaking, most people sin when they are angry. I said number three, most people sin when they are angry because most people cannot control their anger. It's like water that's let out. You can't bring it back in. Number four, people who cannot control their anger become angry people, which means they, are not, which means they do not get angry. They are angry. Number five, the problem with being angry is that Uncontrolled anger is destructive. Number six, the problem with uncontrolled and destructive anger is that it will cost you in your life. It'll cost you in your relationships. It'll cost you in your reputation. It'll cost you in your riches. Now, let me explain to you where we're going with this series. You are here on a Sunday morning as we start this brand new series. Some of you are very angry, and I understand and you say, well, you're just trying to make me angry. Well, it didn't take much. I'm hoping some of you I do get ticked off enough, so ticked off enough you'll do something about it. Amen. I'm hoping some of you get so angry, you're like, I, you, know, you get so angry, you're, you'll come back next week just because you like to be angry. You're gonna come, I'm going to hear what he has to say. Make me more angry. Let me tell you where we're going with this series. Next Sunday, April 18th, we're going to learn about why we get so angry. 
The Sunday after that, April 25th, we're going to learn about how to deal with our own anger, the fire raging inside. Sunday, May 2nd, we're going to learn how to deal with other people's anger, the fire raging in someone else. Let me just quickly explain to you why you need this series. If, if, if the six statements on anger were not enough, let me give you two thoughts. Say, why do I need to control my anger? Why do I need this series? Proverbs 27 and verse 3. Notice what the Bible says. A stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Think about that verse. A stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. What is the proverb trying to teach us in this verse? Here's the lesson. Your uncontrolled and destructive anger is a burden to your family and your loved ones. He says, a stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Did you know, did you know that you're, you say, I'm just, this is just the way I am. Well, let me uh, tell you something. Let me explain something to you. Maybe something that no one's ever explained to you because nobody has maybe the guts to explain it to you because you're so angry. You can go ahead and get angry at me if you need to. I'm used to it. I have enough people angry at me all the time. Your uncontrolled and destructive anger is a burden to your family and your loved ones. When your family has to tiptoe around you, when they have to walk on eggshells around you, when they have to, you know, just be careful because anything just sets you off, that is a burden that you're placing upon the people you say you love. When they have to put up with you losing your temper, when they have to put up with you going flying off the handle, when they have to put up with those things, it's, a, it's an emotional burden. Is that what you want? Is that what you want your kids to deal with? Your uncontrolled and destructive anger is a burden to your family and loved ones. So why don't we spend the next four weeks learning to lighten that burden? You say, that's not good enough. Give me another one. Okay. Go to Romans chapter 12. This is the last one. This is the last thought. I want you to look at two places. Romans 12 and Ephesians. Romans 12 is a passage we'll look at very closely, not next week, but the week after that. Romans 12 and verse 19 says this, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place, I want you to notice these words, give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. When Romans 12, 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather, he says, instead of avenging yourself, I'd rather you give place unto wrath. The term give place means to uh, put it somewhere, to not let it control you, but to put it away, to give it a place, to to say, I'm going to take this wrath and I'm going to put it somewhere else. That's what the phrase means. It means, but rather give place unto wrath. Now, it's interesting because that phrase is used in another passage that has to do with wrath, and I don't believe that anything in the Bible is incidental, coincidental, or accidental. It says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, and I want you to remember this, but rather give place unto wrath. In Ephesians chapter 4, which is where we started this morning, if you would, look at verse 26. You're there in Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. If you didn't keep your place there, Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 26. Ephesians 4, 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Look at verse 27. Neither, notice these two words, give place. Neither, give place. To wrath? No. Neither give place to the devil. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, writes in Romans. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, writes in Ephesians, Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let me tell you something. Your uncontrolled and destructive anger is not only a burden on your family and loved ones, but your uncontrolled and destructive anger is allowing the devil a foothold. 
in your family. He says, give, he says, give place to wrath. Put it away. And he says, and don't give place to the devil. Because, we see, when you give place to wrath, you know what you're giving place to? The devil. Your uncontrolled and destructive anger is allowing the devil a foothold in your family. It is allowing the devil a foothold, a foothold to bring bitterness and rebellion within your home. Say, I'm angry. Well, I hope you're angry enough to do something about it. I hope you're angry enough to join us on this journey as we learn about why we get so angry, how to control our own anger, and how to deal with the anger of others. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that your word tells us everything about everything, everything we need to know about life. And Lord, I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd help us to learn to control our anger. Lord, I I realize that this sermon is highly practical. It is highly practical, this series, because we all get angry, we all deal with anger, and we all lose control of our anger from time to time. But let us not excuse it. Let us not make these excuses and minimize it. Help us to look at the Word of God today and realize this is something I need to deal with. This is something I need to control. This is something that will destroy my relationships, destroy my reputation. It will be a burden upon my family and it will be a foothold for the devil. And Lord, I pray you'd help all of us to learn to control our anger. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.